Land before time land, land before time land. From the Cretaceous to the Jurassic, from the Great Green Valley to the big, big water. This land was made for time and land. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, binary and non-binary people alike, welcome to the finale, Land Before Time, Land Spectacular. We have got a big, incredible, after show, blowout spectacular for you today. Everything must go. Everything must go. Ornithicians and Saurishans. Uh, all non-avian dinosaurs must go. Uh, we, we're going to keep certain crocodilians and, and birds and a couple of shrews and things, but but most of it, 70%. We 70%'s got to go. All too many life. raptors. Too many. Too many. We are overstocked with raptors, so too come many to raptors. Land Before Time Land right off of the 405 where it meets the 101 and it's seen us. Right right where the, the Cretaceous meets the tertiary. Uh, so as you, as you may know, Notice, uh, we eggs, are... eggs, eggs, eggs on Van Nuys. Okay. <laughs> We're not reviewing a movie today. What? Uh, because we already did that. We did all the Land Before Time movies. And today is our very special after show spectacular. If we this have... is the first episode of the podcast you're listening to, that is a choice. And I really respect it. Yeah. Starting a show <laughs> with the finale episode after everything. But uh, also, you know, maybe go back and listen to the first uh, 14 episodes of the show so you know what we're talking about. We got a lot of fun planned today. We've got uh, uh, Madeline and I will give our official rankings yes. of Land Before Time sequels mm -hmm. uh, from best to worst. From best to worst. We have some messages from our previous guests and fans uh, to play on the show, and we're going to react to those live. We have fan Q&As submitted over Twitter that we're going to answer mm -hmm. and at the end uh at that exciting moment that you're all going to skip to now and then skip back we are going to reveal our sequel podcast the next franchise that we are going to cover as podcasters so stay tuned for that it's so secret we've we haven't told this to anybody except anybody that you know listened really closely to an old podcast when we just said and forgot yeah or watched one of our gaming live streams where we definitely talked about it otherwise we have never <laughs> revealed this idea for a sequel podcast ever. So if this is surprising to you, you're not a real fan. That's what we're saying. But please give us money. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Chris Nebergall. I'm Madeline May. And administrating this whole show on the technical side is Drew Franzblau, our guest from episode 10. Everybody give him a little digital round of applause. Hi, Drew. We love you. Thank you so much for producing our last episode. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, what do we what do we want to do first? Our ranking? Do you want to do the ranking first? Hey, let's leave the ranking uh, for a little bit. Uh, right now, uh, uh, you know, let's play one of the messages. Yes, yeah, some of our former guests on this very show have final messages for us, and we've never heard these. So uh, let's uh, let's go with the first one, which I believe is from our episode three guest, Damien Damaski. Hello, Land Before Time Land. This is uh, Damien. I was on episode three of the podcast, arguably the worst of the movies, uh, but you know, I'm not better. Um, but uh, congratulations, it's great. You guys actually finished this journey of yours. Uh, 
which I know wasn't easy, especially towards the end. Um, so to celebrate, I thought I'd send you guys a cover of Madeline's great theme song heard at the beginning of every episode. Aww. Oh, here so we go. So sit back, listen, enjoy, nice. or don't. I'm not your dad. Aww. But uh, anyways, here it is. Well, that was something. <laughs> I, I did not listen to that one before we. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Leave it to Damien to do a death metal cover of the Land Before Time Land uh, theme song. Oh my. Uh, that's, that, that should have been our theme song from the beginning. <laughs> just asked him. Yeah, we make... should have just asked him to do it. <laughs> no, yeah, instead of um, who we who we did ask, which was the um, uh, uh, Johnny Raptor and the um, uh, Stega Singers uh, from their out al- from their uh, their debut album Terminal Velociraptor. Yeah, Terminal Velociraptor. It's got other hits on it like um, uh, Johnny Dinosaur Guitar. Um, I don't want to set the world on fire with a giant meteorite. Oh. You, you know the hits. I don't have to explain yeah, yeah. Johnny Rafter to you, people. Well, thanks, Damien, for that uh, very uh, entertaining message. Uh, we got some fan questions we asked on our socials for people to send in some questions uh, to ask us. And we got a lot of responses. Thank you so much to uh, all the fans uh, that, that have been listening to and, and seem to enjoy this uh, this show. Um, I'm just going to go off these. Our, yeah, give us a fan yeah, question. Our first question. Oh, what did you know? Our first question is from producer Drew. Uh, that All right. Thank you, Drew. Uh, do you want to ask this question yourself since you're here? Or do you want me to read it? What was the best and worst acting across the whole franchise? Best and worst acting across the whole franchise. I, I, I think Kiefer Sutherland was kind of asleep at the wheel as uh, as Littlefoot's uh, father, Braun. He was definitely the, the most boring voice because he was literally just talking like Keith Keith from Sutherland and, yeah, into he, the mic he they was, didn't even try to give him a voice he's he, just like he was oh, just there to collect the paycheck very clearly hey everyone is this the recording booth I'm Kiefer Sutherland you may remember me from the 24s uh, my pick for worse voice acting it, it almost seems like it's cheating uh, but it has to be uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in episode 13. I think he's just... Oh, whatever just, do you mean? He's just so horrible. And like, I mean, <coughs> we talked about how he was, he's doing menstrual stuff and it's racist and all that. But on top of that, he's just doing just the worst voice acting I've just ever heard in my life. Like, he just did not know what to do. And obviously, you know, he's been in a lot of bad movies. But he's also been in a lot of good movies. And Cuba Gooding Jr., when he tries, can be a good actor, but here he he really just seems like he just doesn't know how to voice act. Like it just yeah. he just did everything you could possibly do wrong as a voice actor he in and, that movie. He he and his companions are incredibly irritating. Um, as for uh, best voice acting, yeah, I, I get you know another kind of stereotypical answer that um, that 
grandpa voice is iconic. Um, that's probably my favorite regular character uh, as far as voice acting goes. But I, yeah, again, these these voices are also very iconic. I I think as far as as guest appearances go, I loved um, uh, Uncle Toronto. He's great. That was a great. Did a really good job. Shout out to uh, Daddy Tops for narrating. John Engel. Uh, yep. Yes, for narrating and playing um, kind of the most uh, uh, interesting and, and, and complex character, honestly, in this entire this entire uh, franchise. Um, He's a complex ceratopsian. Well, thank you, Drew, for that question. And let's play uh, one of our fans, our fans' uh, messages. I'm um, at Kazunsi Boiler on Twitter. I'm oh, okay. pretty sure I'm scientifically your biggest fan because... Everyone else who applies to your tweet seems to be weird, um, erotic land before time role players. Um, shout outs to them though. Um, yeah, shout out. I guess it's been, I've been following your podcast basically since the start, or at least since you commented on the, um, Jenny Nicholson Twitter thread. Um, land before time has been a big part of my life since, you know, I watched it a lot as a kid and I had a fandom phase in high school. Um, so it's been nice to sort of revisit it um, through the podcast. We're glad we could cure you um, of it. And my favorite dinosaur is the Ankylosaurus, so Ankylosaurus. I actually don't know how you pronounce it. Ankylosaurus. Um, so, yes, thank you very much. Oh, that was really nice. Yeah. I, I, I really like that. Well, thank you so much. That was uh, Kidzinsi, who's been our only consistent Patreon subscriber uh, throughout the entire run of the show. So thank you so much for your, your generosity and support. If you're going to be uh, uh, parasocial to any podcast, please make it this one. Absolutely, because we really do love you. All those other ones are lying, but we are. We actually do uh, think you are our best friends. Uh, that's parody. Please don't contact us. But um, no, Kinsensi's been very nice. We He's are been a very uh, generous fan, and we really appreciate them and again shout out to all the perverts that listen to this show all the dinosaur perverts we love every <laughs> single one of them once i figured out how to um uh block all the um pornographic fan art they kept posting on twitter i had a great time communicating with them so i just wanted to let them know that um they are in our hearts we got another fan question this one is from a uh, username uh, theme park nerdo uh, so thank you, uh, Theme Park Nerdo, for sending in a question. You asked us, uh, what's the worst Land Before Time character besides the Yellow Bellies? I mean, okay, so you predicted what we were going to say. We <laughs> 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 appreciate. Um, yeah, you know, this is a different question than uh, just um, it's Guido acting. It's <laughs> it's Guido, <laughs> right? Am I right? No, it's. Um, I mean... Oh, you got an answer other than Guido? I do. It's It's got to be Mo. I hate Mo. Oh, come on. Mo's just like a slightly annoying little dolphin I guy. I cannot stand Mo. And I get... Look, okay. <laughs> Guido's anti-Semitic. I get it. That's that's very bad. Bad Guido. Don't take that out of context. Don't clip out uh, bad Guido from what I just said. The... Mo is so annoying. I hate his voice. I hate everything about him. I hate him when he shows up. And uh, I think a close second is 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 Wild Arms. We can't forget about Wild Arms. Uh, no. 
Uh, you want me to uh, go with you on the dangerous mission? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, let's get another uh, another guest response. Let's, let's hear what our guests uh, have to say about the show. Hey, Chris and Maddie, this is Tony Goldmark of Escape from Vault Disney, sending you both congratulations on finishing up the Land Before Time Land podcast. Thanks, Tony. And now, best of luck getting back to the present before you get mutilated and eaten. Too late for that. Ah, uh, yeah, we already died, but that's okay. Yeah, it um, happens. <laughs> we are we are actually ghosts. Um, we, we've been ghosts a couple times already. I think I I, I lose track of our. Uh, loosely improvised uh, non-canonical adventures. That's who we got here now. Uh, Bo the Sheep, parentheses parody, so I guess it's a parody account of that famous character Bo the Sheep, uh, also known as Sneaky40447481 on Twitter. Asked us, what is the most badass dinosaur? Um, it's mm. a Chris question. Carnotaurus, that's pretty badass. I don't, or 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 Giganotosaurus. What is a Giganotosaurus? A Giganotosaurus is one of the largest theropods of all time. It was a huge, huge guy, bigger than the T Rex. Big guy. Big guy. Big huge guy. He roamed. So beautiful, big guy. I love him. He so roamed big. primordial South America, I think, or Africa, one of the two. And uh, he he was he was majestic and terrifying. And Sam Neill recently leaked that he is going to be in the next Jurassic World movie. So I'm excited for that. Hell yeah! Very excited. Honestly, about that. though, you know the the most badass dinosaur might be T Rex. Because come to think of it, T Rex had the strongest bite force of any animal on the planet. It was not quite as big in terms of dimensions as uh, Giganotosaurus, but it was more muscular. So you know what? I think T-Rex could take any other theropod in a fight. I really do. Let's hear another one of our guests. Hello. It is I. <laughs> I can't even do it. It is me, Peter Stoya, <laughs> and I'm leaving this message for Madeline and Chris and uh, everybody who should be the biggest fan ever of Land Before Time Land. Uh, it was great to be on this episode and talk about this crazy movie uh, <laughs> that I barely was even uh, 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 familiar with, um, <laughs> just, you know, because of the first movie. But anyway, um, I uh, know that this is just for your finale episode, which is amazing. It's unbelievable <laughs> to me that there were 14 or however many, over 10, right? <laughs> over 10. <laughs> there were so many Land Before Time movies that um, it was, I think to me, so easy just to lose interest in it because of like, how many movies are there? Um, I feel like I got into my kid mind a bit and wondered why I stopped liking these dinosaurs. But um, uh, the, la the sixth episode that I was on, uh, for the sixth movie was wild. It was an amazing dinosaur western, and uh, one, yeah. uh, uh, really kind of uh, reignited my love of like uh, 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 outdated classic animation. I guess you could say. I mean, kind of '90s animation in in a way. You know, the characters aren't moving as as best as they could. Well, it was the '90s. Still, while one <laughs> character is talking, it's very funny. Very old style animation, which I enjoy. So anyway, I think this message has gone on much too long, 
And uh, all I really wanted to say again was thank you to Madeline and Chris for having me on the show. You're and, welcome. Uh, Thanks for, for being on the audience about the Bone Wars, which uh, was a moment that I was extremely excited for. And everybody should look up if they don't know what I'm saying. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you both again so much. And please have a wonderful future because I guess this means the podcast is extinct. Oh no. We're out Here's of a job. Of don't you mean extinct? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, Aww, thanks thank for that you. message. That was Peter Stoy. He he, uh, he was on uh, episode six where he talked about uh, Secret of Saurus Rock. One of the better ones in the franchise for sure. All right, um, let's hear another uh, message. Uh, this one I, I think is from uh, from Val Batrone from our uh, last uh, quote-unquote official episode. Let's see uh, what they said. Hey, Land Before Timeland. Uh, it's Val Patron here. Um, I'm so glad that you are finally wrapping up this series and moving on to something bigger and brighter and stronger and cooler. Um, because Land Before Timeland, I gotta say, Land Before Time was a lot. Um, but I think I speak for everyone to say you've done so much for us and we appreciate you reviewing this series even when it got hard and terrible and Reba McIntyre was there. Um, but thanks so much for doing this and I can't wait to hear many, many more episodes of y'all reviewing stuff. Thanks again for everything and thanks for having me on so that I can scream about Spike getting high. That was a lot. That was a lot for me. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks, friends. Oh, that was so nice and also terrifying. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a lot of feels in that, in that episode. Uh, Val, uh, because they're the best, also wrote us some questions. Yay, let's check out the questions. Uh, Val asked us, uh, <laughs> favorite memories. Uh, my favorite memory is probably when I first... Um, when my dad bought me a Sega Genesis when I was five, and I remember putting in a a copy of some Air Force piloting game and I, hated it, but I, then I, I later got mean, Sonic the Hedgehog. I think they and, mean our favorite memories related to the podcast. No, I don't. Or the series no, I don't, in some way. I'm going to disagree with you on that. I've answered the question. Uh, Chris, what is your favorite memory? Uh, my favorite memory from the Land Before Time uh, franchise, because I am a professional, <laughs> and I keep things on topic. Topic. Seems to be on Chris. I got a big old, I got a big old butt. Well, my favorite memory is, uh, is, is uh, the, the memory of, um, of a world where I didn't uh, have had seen all of the Land Before Time sequels. <laughs> <laughs> you said you were. You gave another bullshit answer too. Great. Okay. Next question. Um, uh, Val also asked, uh, "Why did we do this?" Um, okay. So that's actually a really interesting story. Um, mm -hmm. Our other show remained seated on YouTube uh, when the pandemic happened uh, and we couldn't go to theme parks. We released a few audio commentary tracks of the Disney theme park related movies. Mm -hmm. We did The Country Bears. We did The Haunted Mansion. We did Tomorrowland. Yep. And we recorded a bunch more that we just didn't end up getting around to editing and releasing. Maybe we will someday. But one of the ones we recorded was the movie Dinosaur, which 
is sort of technically a theme park ride movie because the attraction at Disney's Animal Kingdom ties into it and the ride actually opened uh, before the movie came out. Um, And when we were watching that movie, one of us remarked, you know, this is just a cheap remake of The Land Before Time because it is. It's the exact same plot, almost to a T, of The Land Before Time. And then you suggested... Why don't we do a podcast where we watch every single Land Before Time movie? Yeah, it, it was kind of the compromise because the first idea was we were just going to do a, a commentary track on Land Before Time. And then we went, fuck it, let's just make it a podcast. Yeah. And um, that's that's where I went. And uh, that's uh, that's all she wrote on that. That's how this whole thing got started. And I am really glad we did. This has been a lot of fun. You know, as bad as these movies are, this is probably one of the few things that I've ever uh, finished in my life. So that's really nice. We made it to the finale. We didn't give up on the podcast. We did not. We we, we made it to the end, which is really amazing. Uh, we have one more question uh, from Val. Uh, most memorable podcast bit. Most memorable podcast bit. Well, since Val's asking, it's hard to uh, it's hard to forget. Um, uh, Primal Petri, the <laughs> fully rendered <laughs> CGI live action Petri. Petri. That's that's hilarious. Uh, I was laughing for minutes at that. Th- th- there were some wonderful, just shocking, shockingly funny moments in the movies, like that <laughs> moment when when Littlefoot pushes a rock onto a sharp tooth's head and it just resigns itself to death. <laughs> For a second, while Littlefoot coldly stares down at it just before the rock crashes into its head. The moment where, I think in the tenth one, a big uh, a big sauropod just drowns a, a sharp tooth. Just oh like, like steps on its head underwater. Yes. Like murder. I like murder. Murder moments are fun. Oh my, um... I really liked when when our guest uh, Aaron Warner was, was on. He um, had a bit about whales getting born from like... I remember how we got into this conversation. Just listen back to that. That's episode uh, five. And also the whole um, uh, arguing about whether it's an island or a peninsula was very funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was good times. Uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, Speaking of Aaron, um, I know Aaron Aaron, uh, sent us uh, one. Um, um, Let's... um, let, let's uh, let's start listening. Hey, hey, Maddie, uh, and uh, and hey, Chris. Uh, hey, um, uh, this is Aaron. Um, I just want to call and say congratulations on your 100th episode. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really proud of you too. Um, you really made um, you you really you really just you just gosh you just you just you know, with the show, it's just a, it's just a, a huge accomplishment you two did, and, you, you, and gosh darn it, you just, you just swung it out of the park. Um, since this, uh, the last time uh, we'll ever speak again, I want, I want to ask you two, um, wh- what do you think if Littlefoot had a gun? <laughs> I just, I've just been thinking about it, and. And I just think that would really be something, you know. <laughs> I, I just think it would be. I just think it would. It would. Gosh, if Littlefoot had a gun, I mean, Chuck, that would that would just really be something. Um. Uh. Anyway. 
Uh, I, I want to know if um, if I could borrow like thirty hundred ish dollars. Um, go ahead and give me a call back. Uh, you, you got my number. Um, don't uh, uh, don't use um, text. Uh, use signal only. Um, and and <laughs> you, you two just just you know you've earned a vacation and <laughs> and bunch of special people and and I'm really proud to know you you two. Anyway, bye. <laughs> Folks, I am so sorry about that. So we apologize so deeply from here at, at Land Before Timeland. We promise uh, Aaron will never be on the podcast again. He's banned uh, for life, uh, and, and nothing more uh, will be said. But we've uh, booked him for three episodes in the next season. Uh, oh, my fuck. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 Drew, you're going to do him. All right. Um, no, but, but seriously, uh, thank you, Aaron for that uh, great insightful gift. insightful message um and also thank you for coming on Aaron to talk about dinosaurs with Chris I, yes, I like that that was a fun episode yeah. just to to have uh, another adult dinosaur nerd uh, to geek out uh, with about paleontology uh, which is a rare opportunity for me so thank you uh, and Aaron I wherever you are uh, get well soon get well soon Aaron uh, let's go to a fan question. Fan question. This is from uh, 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 Twitter name uh, Manticore Fire or uh, Great Valley Guru, Ooh. who asked us a couple of questions. Um, who's your favorite Land Before Time character? That's a tough question. Hmm. Well, to choose from the gang of five, as they are sometimes known. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we call them. Uh, My favorite post-punk band of all time. I'll pick Spike. I like Spike because Spike, you know, he, uh, he just, he kind of sits there and he observes the world. He watches the world go by um, and he doesn't have much to say because... He doesn't. He's he's really the wise one. He he knows that he doesn't need to say much. Uh, I have two. I'll name two. First, sorry, it's again corny. I'm a cheesy girl. What do you want? Um, uh, Littlefoot. I love him. He was my favorite as a kid. I loved everything about him. I you know wanted to be him. It's a little little uh, scared dinosaur boy. That was my dream. My dreams have changed since then, but I, I just, you know, something about him, his personality, his kind of wonder, how he tries to kind of do his best. Um, there's just something that really um, connected with me about that character, and so I, um, Littlefoot is, is probably my favorite, um, but I, I also uh, really like Petrie. I know Petrie's kind of everyone's least favorite character. But uh, same thing, like Petrie's is kind of like this nervous wreck, you know, he's got this kind of speech impediment thing going on. But I just, again, I just really felt like I could relate to Petrie and I was just, I, I've always just been delighted every time he would appear on screen and do something. And I, I loved in the first movie when he learns to fly, that was a very emotional scene. And I didn't hate his some of his arcs in these later movies. Um, 
No, that, I think that, that those are my answers. Um, uh, Great Valley Guru also asked, if you could direct a Land Before Time 15, what would it be about? Finally, we're getting to the big, important questions the on this meaty, show. The meaty, meaty questions. Just chunk, uh, <clears throat> Campbell's chunky soup of questions. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, obviously, you know, there's a difference between the question of what is what should just the next Land Before Time movie be uh, versus what would the Land Before Time like reboot be? And I'm going to approach this question as if what 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 how would I just continue and finish this franchise? Yeah, I think you know specifically because this is asking for the fifteenth the fifteenth movie. movie. Yeah, what would the what would what would my Final, final 15th entry in this series B. Um, I think, I think we've got to, uh, we've got to give the people what they all apparently want online, which is to, uh, wrap up the franchise with all of our, our main dino friends as adults. Um, I think, I think My Land Before Time 15, uh, is kind of a movie that takes place. Uh, in flashbacks, partly between the present time and partly between the past. The flashbacks to the past are like Littlefoot and the gang going on one last big important adventure to save the Great Valley uh, from some existential threat. And the present time, they're all uh, adults now, and their kids all get together and go on some kind of adventure of their own that in some way mirrors the adventure that their their parents went on. And it all comes full circle, and it's this big uh, generational uh, s- sweet and saccharine uh, yet epic sandwich. That's my basic plot. I don't know what the actual story details are, but that's that's my... That's my rough idea of a Land Before Time 15, and I'd bring back the Rainbow Faces. Um, I, I I think them as a kind of uh, cue from Star Trek kind of figure, like guiding the destiny of our of our characters to discover things. Is, oh, and, he, is interesting. And, and they guide the the kids. Yes. Yeah, they kind of come back. Uh, he's like, it's, it's your kids, little foot. Something yeah. must be done about your kids. Yeah, like the last adventure that the the gang of five all went on didn't go. You know, something something went wrong, and and the kids have to kind of like like finish off the unfinished business of their of their parents and and save the legacy of the Great Valley. Something like that. We we can all workshop the specific details of that. Do any of the dinosaurs like get together as adults? Are there any couples? No, I'm not going to do any interspecies no, couples. No, no. That I'll would be, be uh, dangerous. Although you know what? Maybe Littlefoot uh, uh, is married to Allie. Yeah, I want. That's what I want. Yeah. That's the only um, um, genetically safe <laughs> <laughs> uh, pairing. <laughs> pairing. Uh, uh, we we do not uh, condone uh, eugenics on this program. <laughs> That's the end of that statement. Yeah, please. I I feel like I I uh, the last Land Before Time movie should should address the sort of elephant in the room, which is the vaguely apocalyptic environmental disaster tone that all of these movies seem to have in the background. So like, there's got to be some kind of of ultimate confrontation with the forces of extinction that are somehow thwarted in this in this final adventure. I don't know how. I don't know if Littlefoot and company with guidance from the rainbow faces somehow stop the extinction of the dinosaurs from happening in this universe 
or what? Get but, a little get a little Tarantino with that ending. You don't know yeah. what's gonna happen. Because the Land Before Time series can't end like like Jim Henson's Dinosaurs, which is really how it should end. I have I have an idea too. What's your I, idea? I just kind of came up with this um, just now. I think the fifteenth movie as a continuation of the franchise. Um, the first off, all, every, everyone's still a kid. And everyone's you know still still little little child dinosaur. I think at the beginning something happens where all of the main dinosaurs get not only separated but they get like lost somewhere like miles and miles away from the great valley and it's kind of a a a reset of the first movie except this time the characters have all of the kind of extra emotional stakes from the relationships that they built through the first 14 movies because in Land Before Time 1 none of the dinosaurs knew each other they were still very much separated from everything and that kind of that kind of painted how they they um, got to where they are but this time now that they have had that friendship and that love with them being separated and being put into that same situation I think would create whole new problems for them and a whole new way to kind of approach this thing especially if they're all again at the beginning of this movie like completely separated and kind of have to come back again and i think um having them experience that loss again like littlefoot losing his his mother like having a lot i think also an important character should die at the opening of this movie um littlefoot's grandfather being like the obvious choice. The obvious choice, and having not only him losing his his grandfather, but also being separated from his his friends and loved ones, kind of is that ultimate test, you know, like yeah, being put into that lowest point possible again after you think thought you would never be there again. You know, I think that would be really intense and interesting to see. That would be, yeah, very um, very emotionally mature uh, kind of adventure to go on. Well, enough of this serious talk. Let's get uh, another one of our. Uh, I think we have one more fan uh, question, Drew. Is that or true? Fa fan message. Fan message. Yeah, I think we have one more fan message. Crab experiments. <laughs> Thank you, Agatha Vile. Yes, uh, for uh, crab experiments. Follow um, us on Twitter if you don't understand that. Chris the Beach Bum uh, asks, what character do you feel had the most development over the course of the series? Um, well, that would probably be Littlefoot. Um, I, feel like, I feel like Littlefoot had a lot of arcs that were kind of all completely unrelated. I feel like Littlefoot had a different problem that had to be resolved a different lesson that had to be learned yeah you know in 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 one episode he's 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 arrogant in another episode he's um he's upset about something different like each each littlefoot arc was like this is a psychological issue that littlefoot's never had before but he's got to resolve it by the end of this movie because well, like L littlefoot's the every dinosaur of of this franchise where kind of everything goes goes through him, which is in turn how we as 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 the viewer watching the line before time um, is it, kind of 
following along with. Sarah might be the most consistent. I think Sarah, or uh, I mean, I, I, maybe most obvious answer, Daddy Tops. Daddy Tops. Would probably, yeah, the, I think, go through the most uh, character growth. The Triceratops family. Yes, is very well developed. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Sarah's one of the one of the better. Uh, probably would be like my third or fourth choice for favorite character. For sure. I love Sarah. Chris the Beast Bum also asks, what character do you think deserved more screen time slash involvement in the film's plots? Spike. Yeah, yeah Spike. Spike. Spike's my favorite. He needed to do more than just uh, be the silent comic relief. In fact, one of my favorite movies when we get to the ranking is the one where he did have a heavy uh, factor in the plot. Awesome. Uh, two more questions from Chris the Beach Bum. Uh, do you believe introducing Littlefoot's dad was jumping the shark? 100%. Yeah. Made no sense. We didn't even get like a buildup of it. It would have been one thing if Littlefoot's dad was like pined over or there was like a moment where Littlefoot was sad that he didn't have a father, but having the father just appear out of nowhere with no context no foreshadowing and despite it's being very in, just very uh, lazy and despite being the focus of two movies he doesn't really bond with littlefoot much at all or have anything to do with with anything yeah really. no i i think that was one of the worst movies i know that's a fan favorite but uh, i did not like the 10th movie uh whatever it's called <laughs> and the last question care. from chris the beach bum Favorite Mr. Threehorn moment? Oh, the song from the third yeah. movie, I think. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's... <laughs> when life is tough, you gotta get tougher. That's, that, one. that's one of my favorite moments from the franchise too where he just like sings a song and stops and then two dinosaurs just like look at each other and slowly walk off the screen. Mm -hmm. It's so fucking... Um, somebody sent us like a, a fan edit of that, and I I just thought it was the funniest shit I'd ever seen. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, I think that's probably my favorite. Um, or or also um, when when um, Sarah is singing the 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 get angry and loud song, and then it cuts to Daddy Tom say, "Oh, she's angry <laughs> at something. <laughs> oh, she's mad at somebody today." <laughs> That, that's that that's my my yeah, other favorite. That's a good one. Oh my god, that was amazing. Daddy Toff's underrated racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh gosh. Let's hear uh, another one of our guests. Hey, Chris and Madeline. This is Brian Rubin out here from episode seven, The Stone of Cold Fire. Just wanted to say thanks for having me on the podcast. Had a great time. And uh, congrats on finishing the series. It only took you guys several months to do what Jenny Nicholson did in a single day. But, <laughs> hey, no one can take that away from you. Uh, so congrats. And uh, just a reminder, It Stinks, the Critic Podcast, coming back April 7th. All right. Bye. Nice plug. Awesome. I think that'll just have come out by the time this uh, releases. So, uh, yeah. fuck yeah. So we did, as, as we and Brian, thanks again for, for uh, coming on. And please do check out his podcast on The Critic. Uh, it stinks. It's very good. Um, I guessed it on one. It was a lot of fun. So I'm excited for that to come back. So our next guest question. Uh, we have some questions from one of our guests, actually. Uh, Rachel O'Hara. Awesome. I think it's O'Hara. Um, who joined us for... Uh, episode nine, the most boringest one the ever. Yeah, we. Um, I'm so sorry, Rachel. <laughs> you had to watch that one. <laughs> so there, there are three questions from Rachel. Yes. What's your favorite dinosaur? 
Uh, Cryolophosaurus. So the Velociraptor, the raptor from the Jurassic Park movies. What does the Land Before Time franchise mean to you? She's just asking us the questions we ask all our guests. Ooh, you know Ooh. what? I, I see where you're going with this, Rachel. Um, the Land Before Time franchise to me means a lot, strangely. I watched a lot of these movies <laughs> when I was a kid. I think at least half of them up to number seven, maybe eight. Gosh. Um, and I suggested this idea because I was really excited to talk about them. And I wanted to revisit some of the ones I had seen. And I was so perplexed that there was 14 of these that I just had to know what that meant. And again, they like, they, there's aliens in one of them. Like, <laughs> that's so crazy. That's so weird. Uh, for me, the first one obviously means a great deal in my memories from childhood. It was a very formational movie for me. Um, and after that, uh, you know, I, I just remember the the humor I got over the years of just noticing that the franchise kept going on because, you know, you'd be watching Cartoon Network or something and another trailer for another Land Before Time movie would come on. It's like, my God, how many are they going to do? And you could like see the shark being jumped like, oh, there's the one about a meteor. There's the one about snow. But honestly, it means more to me now than it ever did because we decided to do this podcast, which has consumed months of our life, help us get get through the pandemic, and led to many wonderful, hilarious uh, conversations and jokes with our guests and our friends and our fans. And uh, so, the real land before time is the friends we made along the way. Then let's keep this rolling. Let's get more. Let's get another guest. Let's get another guest voice on. Hello, Land Before Time land lovers. This is David Gansel from the Snow episode, and I want to congratulate my dear friends Chris and Madeline for completing the Land Before Time saga. Finally, you got to the point where the dinosaurs discovered time. I hope everyone is excited for the eventual direct-to-peacock sequel series, The Land After Time. When the dinosaurs return, come face-to-face -face with time itself, and have to kill and dethrone it. After dealing with its looming arrival for 130 sequels, Finally, they will get the upper hand on time. Take that, you chronological bastard. That's what you get for slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Congratulations, Chris and Maddie, for outliving this franchise. I wasn't sure if you would succeed, but you did, and I'm proud of you both. And congratulations to you, the listener, for surviving right alongside them. Now, let's all get together and dethrone time. Come on, one, two, three, four. We don't want time anymore. Thanks, David, for the congratulations. Thanks, uh, Hoggins. You joined us for one of the best uh, movies in the series, actually, so you got lucky uh, doing our job for us there, writing the next Land Before Time uh, series. Yes, and, and a mild clap for the Steve Miller reference. Very fun. Um, now we're going to do something uh, a little bit different. and It's different because I just remembered that we are supposed to do this, and I didn't prepare for it, but we're going to do it now anyway. Right before we did the the third episode of Land Before Time, the third movie, we dis discovered uh, a, a really interesting uh, piece of trivia about the third movie, which is that one of the scenes in the movie is is referenced by noted philosopher and just all around meme, uh, Slavov Zizek. And um, this fact blew our minds so much that we forgot to talk about it in the third movie. But um, I 
uh, I think that we should um, share share this 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 moment. And because we have Drew here, who does an amazing uh, Slavov Zizek impression, uh, I am now going to ask him to uh, read off this this uh, quote. Uh, and by the way, if you want to see this quote yourself, it's from his uh, 2002 book, Welcome to the Desert of the Real. Ladies and gentlemen, Drew Franzblow as Slavov Zizek. The same message is repeated again and again. Uh, we are all different. Some of us are big. Some of us are small. Some know how to fight. Uh, others know how to flee. But we should learn to live with these differences to perceive them as something which makes our lives richer. The problem, of course, is how far do we go? It takes all sorts. Does that mean nice and brutal? Poor and rich? Victim and torturers? <laughs> the reference to the dinosaur kingdom is especially ambiguous here with its brutal character of animal species devouring each other, this is also one of the things that need to be done to make our lives fun. <laughs> the very inner consistent inconsistencies of this vision, the prelapsarian land before time, thus bears witness to how the message of collaboration in differences is ideology at its purest. <laughs> Throws in an ideology at the end there. He throws in the catchphrase. He's got to throw in an ideology. Oh my God, uh, <laughs> Drew! What did any of that mean? You don't know? Okay. Drew is shrugging Drew's at the shrugging. other side of no the room. Idea. Oh my God, um, that is an actual quote you, you from Slavoj about Lamb Before Time Three. You know, Slavoj Zizek was literally just like walking into his living room and like watching one of his kids <laughs> just <laughs> watching... seeing this movie and like you just added uh, fifty pages to my uh, to my novel. Ah, uh, holy shit. Uh, Slavov, take a break. Take a rest. With that, we have another uh, fan uh, 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 question. Yeah, thank you all so much for, for sending these in. We really appreciate it. Okay, so uh, a previous guest asked us about what's our land before time 15, and we gave an answer, but here is the next part of that question for you, Maddie? Uh, this was also asked by Kaczynski, who left us that very lovely message and is our top fan. Yeah, No competition. Thank you. How would you reboot Land Before Time, My Little Pony slash She-Ra style? What elements do you think have the most potential for an actually good, in caps, uh, version of the franchise? Wow. Okay. So, oh gosh, this is, um, that's a tough one. So I think in this idea, Chris, it's it's a TV show we're talking about, like an animated cartoon show. Yes. Distinct from the actual Land Before Time animated cartoon yes, show. Yes. It's a complete, total reboot. Um... I think you have to focus on the environment of their world because that is really the best part of the original movie is is uh, Don Bluth and his team's uh, visuals and atmosphere. I think that has to be a part of the reboot, like just gorgeous animation. Yeah, the the oppressive landscape that they were placed in in that first movie was never really replicated in any of the others. In every other movie where they go to the mysterious beyond, it's just kind of a boring desert, but like a wily e. coyote desert yeah. kind of. But in the Don Bluth original, 
the animation really sold the idea that these characters were so very small in this very huge, very hostile, very un, un, incomprehensible and surreal, you know, just impossible to understand world. And I think that's um, important for the emotions that are supposed to go through your head when you're watching that movie. Yeah, I think the environment really should be its own character in this reboot, and it's kind of shaping how the other dinosaurs are, you know, how how their story goes. I think the dinosaurs should start out separate like they do in the first movie and slowly kind of um, come together, except I think instead of this time... It's like everyone's separated from their families as a big earth take or something. I think everybody should be within their own groups and just for different reasons are kind of going off in these kind of different directions and, and facing the, the, the harshness and just also just, just incredibly diverse terrain. And, and in my version, it's not just desert, even though that's, that's a big part of it. There would also be like you know jungles and... You know, just ice areas and, and like all the Mario levels, and um, just 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 very kind of diverse, and each one has its its own challenges. And I think through that you can really play up the uh, the, the the racism metaphor that I don't think was really the point of the first film. That was kind of more of like a, a topping onto a, a more of a like a coming of age. Um, but the family the, movie, but the core idea yeah. of, of how do we live together? Yes, you know, like I think that's the um, that's the th- thematic core of the first movie is how do we survive together because we can't do it apart. And I think that you know, if I'm hearing what you're saying, is yeah. kind of what what the theme of the of the show should be is like yeah. how do we make a world where we can all survive together using all of our strengths and meeting all of our needs? Exactly. And as for the characters themselves, I think we, we keep it simple. Um, just, just the most basic uh, of the, the main cast. I feel like, um, Littlefoot should, should be very lost, um, with, with, with uh, who he is. Um, I think he should be really questioning, himself throughout the movie his place in the world i think as he kind of takes on this leadership role which is really just through his own kind of just um kind of fascination and interest in the world around him and i think just his his deep empathy that he has towards his fellow dinosaur it um kind of puts him in this position that maybe he's not even that interested in wanting but he maybe has a lot of self-doubt um you know, maybe he rev- he he could uh uh maybe he comes out as trans. That'd be my kind of uh, a queer contribution to the uh, to this uh, franchise. But I think definitely he should be kind of confused about who he is and kind of discover who he is uh, by the end of this uh, this this TV show. Um, uh, the other characters. What, I mean, I'm just going to name them off unless you want to stop me with one of your ideas for what the other characters could be like. Uh, hmm. Well, I think they're all pretty uh, well-rounded characters. I think um, I think Ducky is the one that is the least developed in the in the franchise now that I think about it. I mean, because Spike is not well-developed, but he's, he's kind of one note. Yeah. And, like, you know, Spike's his own little mysterious thing, but I think Ducky... Ducky could be more than 
the one who just kind of says things. Well, I think Ducky's optimism can be her greatest strength and her greatest flaw, where the fact that she does see the good in everything, no she's, matter what. Maybe she's like too trusting. Yeah, or... and I think she's going to get a big wake-up call from that, and I think something bad's going to happen to her because of how about trusting it is that it may not resolve in, in the most uh, optimistic way, which will be a very big turning point for her, but it will also uh, kind of force her to choose optimism in the face of horrible um, and horrible um, uh, depression and, and evil instead of just like defaulting. You know, it's kind of the, the optimism is at its strongest when it exists within, uh, you know, a horrible uh, environment. And I think that's going to be great. You know, Spike will be kind of mysterious. I think just leave Spike how he is from the movie. I don't think you have to do too much. I like to the that. idea that there's more going on yeah. behind Spike's eyes than people think. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that Spike has an inner life and he's, it's not that he can't talk so much as that he just has nothing to say, you know? Yeah. I, I, I've always liked that idea. I think he should say something at the very end of the show. <laughs> just has a sentence. Like, I just didn't want to say anything. Yeah. Uh, that'd be very fun. Uh, I think Sarah is just, you know, more outwardly uh, racist, but definitely because of nurture, she just was raised. And I think we really kind of have the Triceratops uh, clan, you know, her, especially her, her relationship with her father is obviously a huge part of the show. Yeah, I think it's going to be very fraught. <laughs> it could be abusive in, in certain ways. And I think that's going to be a, a very fundamental to her character. And I think she'll she can even maybe betrays them. I don't you know I don't know what's going on in this in this in this story, but I think that could happen. Certain certain villains uh, ought to come back and recur from the old movies. Uncle I think Toronto Uncle Toronto is a big yeah. one. Um, the Egg Stealers, uh, Ozzy and Strut, of course. Um, I want to. I want to explore. I want to see Ozzy. Uh, I want. I want to see Strut finally uh, cut out his brother's toxic influence from his life. Ooh, that would be fun. Have if one I want to eat green food, I'm going to eat green food. Well, I think also like Uncle Toronto starts out as a villain and then becomes like a yeah, a, you know, a hero. Uh, like he, a like he complicated his, person. You complicated know. person. He's trying, but he's he's going to relapse every so often. Uh, uh, finally, there's Petrie, who's kind of the uh, the the. Uh, uh, scientist <laughs> uh, the group my my view I think Petrie is like in his own way trying to like map the entirety of uh, the mysterious beyond and is trying to like I would kind of uh, 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 tweak him a bit to where he's a very analytical kind of dinosaur and he's very much like a like a, like a, a plan kind of um um, sort of the Velma? Yes, kind of the Velma, as much as a dinosaur can be, like a, a kind of a serious bookish type. So kind of preserve the the anxiety, yes, but take exactly. away the weird um, well, stupidity. Well, <laughs> I think he can still talk. I love the way Petrie talks. It's very fun, but I think he's also, there's an intelligence, and there's kind of a, a, a logic kind of brain behind all of that. Which, that's that that's fun. Yeah. That's better. Um, and yeah, yeah and I think there they go on a very personal adventure through these harsh environments where they encounter um, these 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 things, maybe other dinosaurs or other people, and environment that that forces them to question themselves and and challenge their challenge them in, in the ways that that really just test their their strength. And I I think that could be a lot of fun.
And can we do the DuckTales thing and like mix in other Don Bluth properties with it? Yeah, there will be some uh, mice that are the uh, <laughs> four, forefathers of uh, five old Mouskowitz. And uh, maybe a rocking a rockadoodle in there too would be very nice. Uh, cool. That's the end of our questions. And I know we've been going really long. We still have our finale, which is our final ranking of the the best uh, to worst uh, movies of the franchise. Uh, let's hear out those last few uh, guest messages. Messages. Hey, Maddie and Chris, it's Anthony over at the Tunes and Tumblers podcast. Congratulations on getting through all of the times before land. I can't wait for the next season when I'm sure you're going to be discussing the cinematic masterpieces that are the Hellraiser films. Can't wait. Ooh, that's a good one. Thank you, Anthony. That would be a good one, that's but that's good, not what that's we're doing. That's not what we're going to do. Maybe next time. Greetings, land before time land. A podcast. A podcast. This is Kayla. And David. And uh, we wanted to say congratulations to you for making it all the way to the end of this bizarre franchise. Aww. Thank you. I wouldn't have been able to do it. I mean, we, <laughs> we kind of had to hang in there pretty tough for Land Before Time 12, which, by the way, thank you again for having us on. Yeah. Thank you for making me watch one of the worst films I've ever seen. No, it's not that bad. There's worse out there. You can't go wrong with our Lord and Savior, Guido. Oh, God. The amazing <laughs> sleepwalking flying thing. Creature? Stereotype? Yeah. Hate crime. Hate crime. Rob Paulson, you're so much better than this. Anyway, we wanted to extend our heartfelt congratulations and uh, wish you a uh, speedy... Uh, recovery, escape, recovery, <laughs> recovery. Yeah. escape from this franchise, um, and uh, best of luck to uh, uh, to Maddie and Chris on their future endeavors. Absolutely, uh, and if you want to talk about something that's not Land Before Time related, you guys are more than welcome to join us on any of our podcasts. So, yep. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll sign out for now, and then see if we can sleepwalk fly our way somewhere else. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks, King family. That that was a lovely message from our fr our friends from many podcasts. Our friends from many podcasts, and thank you so much for the invitation. We accept all of them. All we of will them. be on all of your podcasts. Everyone. Thank you so much. Now let's hear. We got one more message before we get to uh, what you've all been waiting for, which is our our listing. Let's hear it. Hello, Land Before Timeland. This is Jess Lynn here. And I just wanted to say, congratulations. You have made it through this series. If you need therapy, call someone else. I'm done. <laughs> anyway, seriously, though, congratulations on making through your final episode. This is an awesome accomplishment. I'm very proud of you and happy with the way that the show has turned out. All right. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. So long. Thank you. Yes, we do need uh, therapy after that. Uh, thank you, Jess. That was a, um, oh boy, that was one of the worst ones that we put you through. We are so sorry. Well, that was fun. We've listened to all of our messages from previous guests and fans, answered all of our fan questions, which means it is time at last for Madeline and myself's official ranking, best to worst of the Land Before Time movies. Which we will settle in bloody combat. We have Primal prepared Rage. 
separate rankings yes. independently of one another. So we yes. don't know. I don't know what hers are. She doesn't know what mine are. Some of them might be remarkably similar. Some of them might be completely different, in which case we will have to fight about it every single time. And you will get to hear that, but not see it because it's a podcast and there will be no visual, visceral blood and gore on this show. But only... There's one thing that will be clear and consistent between our lists, and that they are the exact opposite of Jenny Nicholson's list. <laughs> and I, um, yeah, so take it for what you will. You know, trust a, a, a beloved YouTube star's list or uh, our <clears throat> incredibly different list in basically every way. From 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 a couple of. Uh... Would you say that we're the we're the dollar bin YouTube stars? We are the family dollar. Uh, <laughs> or the 99 cent store. I thought, I thought we were just one of those grab bags of DVDs that nobody ever bought <laughs> at, at, at Best Buy. We're a, a red box that somebody like smashed and left down in the curb and it's like free for all on all the discs inside. Um, so we're doing this from, from best to worst, I guess? Yes. Is that the idea? Yes, okay. we are. Uh, so uh, first off, uh, take the first movie off the list. We're not gonna. <laughs> it's the best, obviously. No. Again, uh, it's not even close. Third. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? No, the, the first movie is one of the greatest animations of all time, <laughs> and to even suggest it should be on the same list as these other movies is, is an insult. Is an insult. It and is. It, it is a beautiful. An account of treason powerful moving film no like we're not doing a bed the first movie is legitimately incredible it's the last good thing don blue ever made <laughs> 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 fucking take that to the bank uh, <laughs> and um so let's not even fucking talk about it okay yeah, he left. He left Spielberg, and you know things got a little worse. Uh oh. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> wonder, what happened there? Uh, wonder why. Oh man. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, did you like all dogs go to heaven? I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked to troll in Central Park as a kid very it's much. Really bad. I I tried to watch it a few years ago, and I'm like, this is unwatchable. I, I couldn't get through five minutes. It's really bad. Maybe we'll revisit that for Don Blue Theater. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that one. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, so we're doing, uh, so best to worst, right? Best to worst. Okay. So, uh, my, my best. And, um, this is really tough because I keep going back and forth on my first and second one, but I think just for the, the sake of, of just having an answer, I'm going to say that I think the the best one is, uh, land before time six, uh, secret of Soros rock. Okay. All right. That's a pretty good one. That's the dinosaur western. Yeah, I think it's just it's to me it's like it's consistently <laughs> like fun and wacky uh in a way that I think the other movies just aren't. I think it has some some great songs uh throughout. I think the the lone dinosaur um and the the bad luck song uh changed me forever. Uh, with Spike playing that trumpet, I'll never, I'll never forget that. And, and it's so goofy. And it, this is really where I think the Land Before Time franchise really starts to come into its own as much as this franchise does, and realizes, oh, let's just be as stupid as possible, like a western with dinosaurs. Fuck it, why not? It commits to its genre. Yeah, it's 
bizarre choice of genre, you know. Somebody thought, what if it's a Western? And they ran with that. So kudos to them for that, honestly. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't even think that the two um, uh, Triceratop nieces are... Okay, they're pretty annoying, but I not enough for me to to rank this uh, less. Um, uh, yes, that would be my my number one. The lone dinosaur. What is your okay? So what's your number one? My number one is the land before time. Eight, the big freeze. See, I you know, I I kind of want to agree with you on this. Like, is that your number two? That's my number two. My okay. number two is the big freeze. I I. Yeah, I mean... Well, that's funny because my number two is The Secret of Source Rock. Oh, my... I mean, that's... You gotta really understand how these switch around, but, I mean, maybe I'm with you that The Big Freeze is better. The Big Freeze is the only one of these movies, other than the first one, that genuinely made me feel something. This one had the emotional conflict of Ducky and Spike, with Spike going off to be with his people and Ducky you know feeling the these abandonment issues and like that's some kind of you know it's it's a playground message like all the other movies have for kids but it's it's just handled a lot more maturely and and uh beautifully than any of the other movies handle their emotional issues yeah the the first half um uh subplot or i guess main plot honestly it's really important of of Ducky and Spike um having a falling out and Spike leaving with the other Stegosaurus family is probably the best thing that ever happened in these sequels. And the movie also has a consistent theme of change. You know, the the snow represents change, renewal and and just, you know, environmental change, the unfamiliar and there's this whole air to the film of 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 growing up and and you know you can you can really see how this this film is is challenging the characters and you know if the movie was just that first half i would say it's easily the best one my my only problem with it is that the second half is so boring. Yeah, the second half kind of goes back to the formula a little bit, unfortunately, but which is not so much fun. Th- I mean, there are moments in the second half that aren't terrible, but, like, it's a lot of bad, and the ending is sucks. Probably one of the worst endings. The ending and does the, suck. The ending is just just there, it happens, we're done. Um, yeah, one of the worst endings in the, in the whole franchise. Um, but, yeah, that first half is legitimately emotional and good i really really enjoyed it and um mr thicknose one of my one of my favorite characters i think he's great and i would love for him to be in another one someday if they ever keep making these movies yeah thicknose was nice he showed up in the tv show as well once yes that's right i forgot about that to give um chomper a dental appointment (laughs) That's right. Oh my gosh. Um, well, so I I think that and a secret. Look, if you're looking for a movie that you want to watch and like maybe not be bored, maybe start with that. Those those two. Either of those. If you want to laugh a little bit more, maybe watch Secret of Source Rock because it's got yeah, uh, it's got it's more fun. It's more fun. It's it's so ridiculous. More emotional for number eight. More fun for number six. Okay. So what is your number three? Uh, my number three is Stone of Cold Fire. I have the exact same number three. Um, 
much like the first two, my three and four could could easily uh, switch around. Um, what I mean, what really wins it for me are, are a couple of key factors. One, um, I think Uncle Trano is one of the best villains, if not the best villain. Probably the uh, the, the most complex, the most complex that the show the series ever had. Yeah, uh, absolutely love the character of Uncle Trano. I think when we see the the uh, herd die. In that in that flashback scene, it's legitimately effective. I remember it being very um, scary and sad when I watched it as a child, and it still is like, oh fuck, this is actually pretty intense. Um, the, I, yeah. I I also I know we make fun of the fact that this one has aliens in it, and it is on its face absurd that this one has yes. aliens in it. But I actually kind of like in theory the way the aliens were incorporated into this film, like. I am a sucker for that kind of Star Trekian, optimistic, uh, futurist kind of message. The idea that they are here uh, to go- to kind of guide the dinosaurs into uh, an enlightenment of just being a little more curious about their world and trying to discover things rationally and scientifically, um, I think is kind of fun. And it's it's a theme that kind of speaks to me. Were it in a better movie i it would it would be something i i adore very much but i appreciate their effort to do it i really 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 like that the stone of cold fire is not magic at the end Mm -hmm. that the the dinosaurs you know basically have a a, a rationalist uh kind of scooby-doo ending to it where they you know they they realize that it's it's just another mysterious natural phenomenon in their world and it's not going to give them supernatural powers. I got to admit, I hated that when I was a kid. I wanted them to get superpowers from the rock. Right. Because I hated like uh, the, the fake out endings like that. But I do agree that it makes the most sense for the Stone of Cold Fire to not be magic. And it's also just really funny that these aliens were fucking with them the whole time. Yeah, like, and, <laughs> and on that note, I, I have to say... With the possible exception of number 10, where a bunch of weird supernatural stuff happens at the eclipse, this franchise is is pretty good at not being supernatural and like like faith based. Like, you know, I, we, we made the joke at some point. I was always waiting for them to stop announcing that it was millions of years ago, you know, at, at, to appease the creationists. Mm-hmm. But they never did. They always took an evolutionist perspective yes. in in this franchise. Even, and in, I, even in the very Mormon first movie. Yeah, and I deeply, deeply appreciate that. So The Land Before Time, show it to your kids. Uh, they will they will get a a a, a, a taste of, of of their passion for dinosaurs that is not tainted by creationism and or, I, or faith-based storytelling. Uh, one final uh, one final thing about uh, Stone of Cold Fire. Uh, an incredible showing of uh, my two favorite characters, Littlefoot and Petrie. So yes. Another reason why it ranks uh, very highly on my list. <laughs> Absolutely. Petrie's coming to terms with, with his cool uncle being not so cool is kind of heartbreaking. And and uh, Littlefoot is learning the scientific method. Yes. And it's very, very fun. Um, okay, what do you got next? Okay, so after, so at number four... Yes. I have number five, The Mysterious Island. Me too. We have the same opinions and, on some of well, these. Well, again, like I say this one kind of switches around for me because Mysterious <coughs> Island, while not being as as 
batshit insane as uh, Stone of Cold Fire does have the return of fan favorite Chomper in a really adorable role. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, that that uh, Jenny Nicholson said that this was her favorite of the whole franchise. Yes. And there is a lot to, to like about this. I think it has two of the best songs in the whole franchise, uh, Big Big Water and Friends for Dinner. Yes. Both are incredible songs. I think Chomper being like super polite is really funny. I like that he yes. talks to his, his parents and there's like little subtitles yeah, when he and, talks to them. And this, this one actually kind of deals with the the issue that was raised in the second one of Chomper being of of kind of the fox and the hound relationship mm-hmm. that Chomper has with his friends of being you know biologically destined to be just on the opposite team of them because he's a carnivore and he will one day you know either have to eat them or just never see them again and that's uh, that's handled uh, as best as they could in this one I mean. None of these are good movies, really. No, but they, let's really stress in this ranking, they're we're, very bad. <laughs> we're being nicer in this ranking than we were in the actual episodes because in the ranking, you got to give them credit for trying, you know. And they tried to approach that theme in in this movie. Yeah, and you'll notice that we uh, prioritize specific things, um, which kind of lower and and raise um, entries in our list. Um, uh, Mysterious Island is very good. Uh, the, the one thing that would, that really, uh, um, I think also gives it that edge over Stone of Cold Fire is that Stone of Cold Fire just has horrible songs. Maybe some of the worst songs in the whole franchise. Yeah, the songs suck. Um, which is a real shame because the rest of the episode is, is very wacky and has some interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, Mysterious Island has, uh, uh, conversely some of the, the best songs in the franchise. All right, what you got at number five? Uh, next, I have uh, the Great Valley Adventure, the second, the the first sequel. Okay. Um, I really um, like. It's hard because like this is, I guess, this is what set the standard for all the the sequels that followed for for worse and worser. And I, but I think there is a charm here. Like it's so dumb and goofy, and there's enough. <laughs> stuff that happens in here that I'll just never forget for the rest of my life, like the eggs, which is, you know... Eggs. I think the introduction of Chomper is really cute. I think Chomper is one of the few additional characters that actually works and, and makes sense to exist um, with within this world. And I I think that it has the, the best... Um, the, the, the best three-song run of any of these movies... Um, I think all three songs are incredibly enjoyable and memorable. Um, and there, I, I would I think that the, the the egg stealing the egg song you that's, have the that's uh, probably because that was the first Land Before Time musical, and they yeah. were like, "This has to be a musical. Uh, we better make it good." As opposed to in the subsequent films, it's like, "Well, we got to put three songs in there." You know, eventually it got to the point of. We really gotta get some songs in there, guys. You know? And this is before they had to they, they put in a, a ballad in every single one, which is always the worst <clears throat> song because these they're very bad at writing ballads. Before they settled into a formula. Yeah. So the songs are, are really are really good. The first song gets stuck in my head. You know, let's go yeah. and run around, run around. Your family you're one of us now. Do 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 very fun. Um, my number five mm-hmm. is Invasion of the Tiny Sources. Interesting. 
Um, which that's actually my next one is invasion of the tiny okay. sources. Well, yeah, y- you give you give stuff credit for trying, and this one tried to kind of do the Horton hears a who, right? It yes. Tried to give the the little lesson about tolerance and about prejudice and about mob mentality and Littlefoot trying to rescue these these little guys from little guys, Mister Threehorn and his so Nazi these, army. These short kings. Beautiful um, creatures. So yeah, I, I think you know the the tiny sources are are shockingly not that annoying uh, in this movie, and I, I think it it makes a sincere little effort, which is why I I've put it here on my in my top five. And I gotta say, after the top five on my list, things really start <laughs> to go down. The top five is like the ones I consider closest to good. Uh, after they, if, they, if gra- you didn't, they, they graze. <clears throat> Good, just barely. Yeah, if you didn't make my top five, you're. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay, okay, that's fine. What? What? Okay, so what's your next one then? My number six, because that's your number six was Invasion of the Tiny Sources, yes. right? My number six is Journey Through the Mists, number four. Interesting. Um, yeah, I I put this one in mainly because I like the villain. I like uh, Tress McNeil as a giant crocodile and her bird buddy. Mm-hmm. It has my favorite song, just personally. I, I don't know about like quality-wise if it's objectively the best or whatever. Personally, it's my favorite song, which is, Who Needs You Not Me? I just love the 1940s show tune <laughs> uh, slapstick comedy quality uh-huh. of that song. Um, and I like... Uh, I like that that pair of, of bad guys. Um, I think uh, the alley thing had potential. They didn't take it as far as they could have. Now, most of the movie is, is very boring. But and, I, I yeah. do like that, you know, this movie has some stakes. Grandpa's going to die if they don't get the flowers. So, <laughs> they, you know, there's something. Littlefoot, save me, you <laughs> little shit. <laughs> oh, that, oh yeah, talk about favorite podcast bits. That's, that's one I forgot. <laughs> I'll never love you, little foot, unless you save me. That was piece of one shit. of my favorite things that you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> I, I have to say. Oh, did I say that? I think you said. I can't. I feel like when that something was... funny is said, I I never assume it was oh, me. Oh, no, um, Chris, I love you. Hugs. What's your number seven? It's Journey Through the Mist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, well, great minds think alike. I guess. <laughs> Uh, what's so? What do you got after that? So this is going to be your your eight, right? Uh, no, this is mine seven. Okay, my seven is uh, number ten, the Great Long Neck Migration. I okay. gave this one credit for trying to be an epic and emotional tale. It's the the long necks all journeying to save the world in this big bizarre eclipse thing, and it 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 introduces Littlefoot's father. It's trying to be a significant. Uh, chapter in the story of the franchise and many of the fans seem to appreciate that it's not a good movie by any means but the reason it sits squarely at the center of my list is because almost every movie after this I consider a genuinely bad movie in every respect and this one at least tries this one at least tries uh, for me, so it's 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 squarely at number seven, right in the middle. Um, that is interesting because that is is my number eight is Great Long Neck Migration. Okay. Uh, uh, for me though, Great Long Neck Migration is really where these become 
the worst movies ever. I really did not like Great Long Neck Migration. I think it's a very bad movie. The only saving graces it has is the bizarre turn as uh, of Kiefer Sutherland as Littlefoot's father and the mm. weird um, eclipse thing and a couple of just like really bizarre sequences that just really um, stood out to me as, as funny. Um, but like for the most part, I really hated this movie. My, my numbers one through seven up to uh, Journey Through the Mess, I think are fine and watchable they're not the worst things in the world um great log neck migration i think is really really bad and don't let its placing above these other movies that we're going to talk about fool you fool you i really just did not like this movie period well that brings us to my number eight which is the great valley adventure i didn't like it nearly as much as my gosh yeah Um, hard disagree on that obviously i do love the villains ozzy and strut and i love chomper but otherwise, I think the movie lacks a coherent plot, and I think um, I have a hard time forgiving it for just being so much worse than The Land Before Time 1. You know, you say this is the one that set the tone for the sequels. It set an awful tone for the sequels, and I, I can't forgive it for that. I, I mean, I got a hard disagree that it's definitely not worse than The Great Long Neck Migration. Um, I, I, I can't, it's hard. I'm going to fully admit that there is some nostalgia because it was, you know, the first sequel. I watched it when I was a kid. I watched it a million times when I was a kid. Um, But I think there's enough, like, bizarreness in it that, like, I really have, like, I eggs is really just implanted into my head. I think the, the idea of Chomper is interesting. I kind of like that it doesn't really have a story. It just kind of goes from, like, place to place and just kind of happens in this weird like really like messy way that you just get from uh direct to, to video sequels and the songs are really good it's it's hard for me to to rank it low because like the the, the music's fun and, and chomper is a fun character like again it, it's my my fifth it's not like my top three or anything like that but i i really think and the animation's like not terrible the, the animation's not terrible in the second one it's not good but it's you know like f it's still hand drawn there's effort of some kind put into it we're not at the embarrassment that we are <laughs> that, we'll, that we'll get to later on in this franchise all right well i think there's a there's enough there to rank it above the absolute worst and i yeah i just hard disagree that this is uh, a worse. passionate yeah. a passionate defense of of land before time uh, well, let's not go that let's <laughs> <laughs> not get carried away uh what's your what's next for you eight okay. or nine uh after great long neck migration we have a uh, day of the flyers is that your number eight or nine? This is my number nine. Okay, so both are number nine is Great Day of the Flyers. Okay, yes. Uh, Day of the Flyers. Um, Sucks. Guido <laughs> being a a an anti, anti-Semitic character named after uh, an Italian slur <laughs> is the... is so fucking, like, out there and just horrible... One of the worst decisions a person could ever make <laughs> in anything. I, it's, it's really, I have to give it credit. Like I, it's so bad and so just bafflingly offensive that it becomes like funny 
again, and there is there's definitely like a so bad it's good aspect to really just Guido as a concept. And apart from Guido, I have to say <clears throat> that the story of this film is generally uninspiring and unmemorable, uh, which is why it falls so low on my list. I barely remember what what this movie's about. The, the only saving grace is um, the the introduction of uh, oh Tria is in this one, right? Uh, Tria's in this one. Tr- Trisha's introduced. Trisha's introduced, and I I do think Trisha is a very adorable character. That really is it, because everything else is just like horrible. Uh, Petrie's arc is confusing. Um, the, yeah, the, the flyer element of flyer Great Day of the Flyers is, is the weakest uh, aspect of the movie. Weakest aspect. The, the fact that like they just all just start flying some big song that I don't even remember uh, at the end of it is um, is is not great. I, I do not like it. Sam, I am. So here we come <clears throat> to the bottom four. Yes. Uh, these are the absolute garbage movies. Bottom of the barrel. Yes. At number 10, I have... Journey of the Brave, the last one. Uh, this is it's very you know I agree that it's very bad. It's not it's it's a little lower on my list. So why don't you uh, why don't you talk about it? So Journey of the Brave is only at number ten because the next three I actively just hate. They make me so mad. And Journey of the Brave doesn't make me mad like those next three. It just isn't good at all. It's completely just a dumb silly whatever movie it's it's bad it's got at least like you know petrie becoming leader of a cult and uh uh that's that's it that's good in it <laughs> um, it's, got but, a, it's got a reba yeah. mcintyre song if you're into that <clears throat> if you're into that yeah this one is a slog um it's completely patronizing as we've discussed and um you know, I can't find any like redeeming qualities, which is why, you know, it, it's just that it doesn't make me as actively upset as the next three do is it, the only reason yes. it's up here is that it's an unremarkably bad movie. And it's really boring, really boring. Like I for me, I rank boring as the worst crime than like offensively bad. Like to me, when the, the reason why, like. I have Day of the Flyers ranked higher than this on, on my list. We'll get to where I, I place Journey of the Brave in a bit. But I it's because like again, like Day of the Flyers has this just disgustingly anti Semitic character that's so horrible and bad that you just remember it. While something like Journey of the Brave, like I just don't want it to stay in my head. And I think something that's so just beyond like mediocre and boring and lifeless is like we're I mean this is my complain about the the marvel movies which is a whole other series that of podcasts that you can make about that but like i think that a movie that's like fine and forgettable is worse than a movie that's like atrociously bad because i think a film that's atrociously bad is at least interesting while journey of the brave is just fucking boring and i don't think there's anything worse that something can be than boring well, that you'll see that reflected in in one of my upcoming entries. Yeah. But uh, what is your number ten? My number ten is Time of the Great <clears throat> Giving, a pretty bad one. A pretty that, bad. A that's pre- that's next for me. That's number eleven. That's pretty bad. Um, Time of the Great Giving. I have. I when we first watched it, I thought it was the worst movie of the whole franchise. 
and it was only at number three. But over time, I think we've watched so many worse ones and had like so many kind of bizarre discussions that Time of the Great Giving actually does kind of rise up for me a bit. And honestly, I, I could imagine a, a point where this actually even jumps up a little bit on this list. Again, not a good movie. This is not a defense of, of time of, of the great giving. But when I see this horrible 3D animation, these like, again, the the the, the patronizing of Journey of the Brave, it kind of makes me like wishful for like the these stupid bully characters that like, while terrible, or at least like, like competently designed as dinosaurs, the where when your big song is catchy, the fucking bizarreness of Daddy Tops being like a water tyrant is funny and hilarious. And like, I, I'll even go as far as to say that like the ending bit of like Daddy Tops um, and uh, one of the bullies' dad's kind of reconciliation like almost works. I mean, it doesn't because this is a really shitty movie, but it's it's passable. Um, again, the, the animation is not good, especially for 2D. This is, you know, you can, again, you can see this, the size of the cell paper and <laughs> a lot of the characters are bad, but I think there's enough here in, in this movie that I, it, it is almost a so bad. It's good watch. I think th there's enough here that it's not as bad as, as I, I think I once thought when I first <clears throat> watched this movie. Uh, fair. Um, so what then, because that's my 11, yeah. what uh, what then is your 11? My 11 is The Wisdom of Friends, and just replace my my argument for Day of the Flyers, but add it up to 11. Yeah, the, the, that's my 12, uh, so. Anti-Semitism is replaced by um, uh, racism and um, this minstrel show of black stereotypes that they force a, a very famous black actor to, to say... And it's just mind-numbingly... Um, it's intolerable. It's intolerable. It it's is loud. An intolerable it's upsetting. Um, but again, like, I won't forget it. Well, even if I don't want to remember it, I'm not going to forget it. It's so bad in such, like, the worst possible way that it refuses uh, a bit of the boredom. Not enough of the boredom <laughs> as, some of these, as, as some of these other movies, but enough of it where I will rank it higher than my bottom two, which I think are just almost unwatchable. So that means my number 12 being The Wisdom of Friends. Yes. Is that where you have Journey of the Brain? That is where I have Journey okay. of the Brain. That is, again, because it's so boring, and it's only saving grace is one scene of, like, a Petrie being the king of these little... And, you know, giving us that photorealistic... <laughs> Petri joke, which I'll never forget. I uh, it's not even worth talking about. Wild Arms, maybe the worst character um in this entire franchise. Just horrible, horrible character and yeah, annoying. I as I fuck. I, I had uh you know a lot of long talks with uh, Jesus about it and I just realized uh -huh. I had How's to put he doing? I had to uh oh he didn't exist. Um I had to put <laughs> um, <laughs> I just had to put the wisdom of friends last. It's it's even worse for me. Those yelly bellies are less tolerable than wild arms, but I uh, I get it. Uh, you know, that's that's um 
That's that's splitting hairs. So so is wisdom of friends your your la- your bottom? No no no, it's my twelve. It's your twelve. So that means by process of elimination, we have both chosen the same thirteen. The last worst Land Before Time movie, in both of our opinions, is Journey to Big Water. Now. Mm. You have to understand, like, what could possibly be worse than um, uh, Rob Paulson doing a Woody Allen impression? What could be worse than Cuba Gooding Jr. uh, reenacting the jazz singer? Let's take the most... The worst, most annoying character with another just horrendous Rob Paulson voice... And the most boring film I've ever seen. One of the most boring films I've ever seen. A film that's entirely a plot, and that a plot is has n- nothing. Nothing. Nothing happens. It's so boring. There is even a song about how it's boring. Yes. But it's not like <laughs> it's it's so it's so ironic because. They couldn't drum up a single interesting thing in this entire plot. The main character that that's the guest character, the little dolphin Mosasaurus ichthyosaur guy, Mo, is not only irritating, but he barely does anything. He barely has a reason to exist other than to drag our characters along on a pointless adventure. He is swimming down a river that's really long, that will go to the sea, and he needs them to follow him for some reason, and I don't understand it. It's a complete waste of time from start to finish. Yeah, and they get rid of the conflict very early (laughs) in the film, too, and it just leaves to nothing. Um, The one moment I liked was when Littlefoot was talking to himself at the beginning of the film. That was pretty funny. Everything else is just beyond boring. And to me, boring is a worse crime than, like, atrociously bad. I think the worst thing a piece of art can be is uninteresting and and unengaging. And I think that... Okay, Nathan, I don't want to be a totalitarian about what I think about art, but for me at least, something that is just beyond boring and purposeless is just one of the worst things you can you can be. For me, there's an even balance, you know. D- does the does the entertainingness of of a weirder movie like Wisdom of Friends outweigh the intolerableness of it? And yes. to me, there's always been a a give and take there. So my my bottom list, I think, kind of balances out the boring with with the intolerable. And you've ranked the intolerable a little higher than your boring. Yeah, bo- as more bo- of a rule. Yeah, boring to me is the worst thing that a film can be. And I feel like these last two, especially Journey to Big Water, are just the most boring films I've ever seen. Okay, well that's our ranking, everybody. So uh, for those keeping at home, are we thought the best one. Uh, is either uh, Secret of Se- Source Rock or The Big Freeze. Those are the best ones. And the, the worst one is Journey, Journey to, to Big, Big Water. Water with other Wisdom of Friends and Journey of the Brave being generally down there as well. Uh, yeah, so that's it. That is our ranking. I want to say when it comes to Land Before Time, 
And what I can say now that we've watched all 14 of these movies is that this is a franchise that should have never happened. I think the first movie ended so succinctly and perfectly that it made no sense to have a sequel to that movie, let alone 13 more sequels to this. I think the longevity of this franchise uh, can be summed up by um, the fact that it simply isn't really a franchise. No, yeah. Frankly, there's there's an amazing amount of actual effort at continuity made between these movies because, let's face it, they, these movies are not made so that someone will be a fan and watch every single one like we did. These movies are made so that parents will buy it on the shelf and put it on to shut up their kids for half an hour, and it does not matter which one it is. As long as there's a new one on shelves so that it doesn't fall into obscurity, parents will put it on because kids like dinosaurs and kids like colors. And it's kind of sad to me that one of the greatest animated films of all time got cannibalized for that fate. And I guess that's it. That's it. <laughs> I guess it, you know, now, now that it's actually ending, like this is actually kind of sad. Like I had a really good time making this podcast with you, Chris. I did too. This yeah. was an excellent fun way to spend the pandemic yeah yeah these movies suck we joke about it being torturous but we did this because we enjoy it yeah you know it was fun to watch these movies to put these episodes together i don't know if anybody liked our little improvised sketches but they were fun to do and uh it you know it it, we needed to do this and i want to (laughs) thank again our incredible guests for coming on and making this so much fun and bearable to watch these movies and they are all amazing and, and did an incredible job and we're eternally grateful and we want to thank everybody that stuck around and listened to everybody that that listened to us on you know soundcloud or whatever uh podcast app they use to the people that interacted with us on twitter sent us nice messages made fan art for us um and obviously everyone that supported us on patreon like Thank you so much. You really kind of kept this going for us. You know, like we, you know, it's nice to know people were responding to our bizarre idea. Yeah. You know, I don't know that we would have continued making it if nobody had listened Definitely or commented. Not. No, I, so. we don't, I'm not making this in a vacuum. That's torturous. Um, so on that note, uh, before we do our little final sign off and plug stuff, uh, or, or, or issue some very final thoughts. Um, I think it's time for the announcement. Yes. Of what we are doing next. So, 14 movies. <laughs> kind of okay. has a nice little ring to I, it. It sure does, Chris. Well, guess what? There's another interminable straight-to-DVD franchise for kids <gasps> that has 14 movies. This is a franchise with which you've been obsessed for some time, is it not? Yeah, uh, these podcasts are made just from obsessions of mine, basically. Uh, I'm a, a, a girl of very specific tastes, and those tastes are terrible. Um, so, um, in, uh, in the annals of sports, uh, <laughs> there have been... <laughs> There have been many rules throughout history. I, I can't believe we're introducing it like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going, but, keep, going uh, keep going. But you know, 
there is there is no rule there ain't no rule you might say <laughs> that yeah. says that a dog can't play basketball. That's right. We are going through the Air Bud franchise. Fourteen movies. Can there's you like, fucking believe that? There's shit? like like four or five or something of them are actual Air Bud movies. Air Bud was a movie about a dog that played basketball. Then they made a bunch of sequels about the dog playing other sports. Then they made the Air Buddies movies about a bunch of little Air Bud puppies having various genre adventures. Then that had spinoffs about Santa Buddies and whatnot uh, all in all oh 14 God. movies okay exact length as land before time all of what chris said is true <laughs> that's all what happens um this is gonna be a lot of fun and uh i think i've seen all of these <laughs> unlike lammy for a time where i stopped watching him because i became uh, an adult I I I think I I've seen like all of these movies and I saw these all these movies like four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> By choice, I I just had this phase after um after Trump became president. I mean that's the reason where I just became obsessed with talking animal movies and I just watched like every fucking Airbud Airbud movie <laughs> that was on Netflix. This is um before Disney Plus. And all that, which I think they're all on Disney Plus now. Oh, that'll make it easy. So that'll make it easy for us. So this will not be uh, on this exact channel pod- no, podcast. No, we're gonna have a new channel. Um, the The title of this new show is a dog and basketball show. It's the name of our new podcast. So look out for that. We'll have announcements and links once we get everything set up. Yep, we'll post a, a link uh, on our Twitter and probably a little com- a trailer for it on this channel. Um, this channel is not necessarily defunct. We may come back uh, periodically to do, like, we may post some of our stuff about the Land Before Time show. We may continue Don Blue Theater. And we may come back for special events periodically. I still want to do We're Back a Dinosaur Story at some point. Give us money, we'll do We're Back a Dinosaur um, Story. And I know Tony really wants to join us for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, for the for the most part, yeah, we're gonna be moving on to the Air Bud series, and we'll give you uh, info on that soon. Um, now we we also have another show on YouTube that we already do. It's a theme park review and discussion show called Remain Seated with Chris Nebergall, which has been on hiatus for a while, but it's coming back soon. We're working on a big uh, big comeback for that show. Very, Very different tone to this show. It is not a, a riffing comedy show. It is a more more academic uh, uh, kind of a show where I discuss the artistry behind theme park attractions. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you if you if you simply like the sound of my voice, uh, go go and check that out. If you like the theme song to our show, I recorded that and wrote the lyrics for that. And it was very fun to do. <laughs> but if you want to hear like actual music, not just bullshit, why don't you check out? Uh, my band Inkblot on SoundCloud and Twitter and Facebook and all of that. We got some demos on SoundCloud. Uh, and two of our, our uh, previous guests, uh, Jess and Brian, are also members of that band. And we're, we we make very fun uh, music. If you like uh, alt indie rock kind of stuff that's uh, a little out there, maybe you'll like Inkblot the band. I think you will. They've got excellent stuff. Oh, thank you. Let's go do a movie series about dogs. No. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. 
This land was made for time and-